Welcome to Diary of a Divorcee. I am your resident divorcee, Carrie Pyle Lawrence, and this podcast is about life post-divorce. And anybody who says that they had a quote-unquote good divorce, I call complete bullshit because no divorce in my eyes is ever good. Because we grow up in this place where we're sold this fairy tale fantasy of like, you're gonna go, you're gonna meet the man of your dreams and ride off into the sunset and live happily ever after. And when you get divorced, that pretty much means that you'd failed at that part, you know? And that's kind of hard to swallow. And I just wanted to share a little bit about my divorce story because honestly, it is like a Hallmark movie. <laughs> I was 38 years old. I had two young daughters who were one in four and my husband fell in love with another woman and left. And that was pretty shitty. It was a hard pill to swallow. I kind of looked at him like, what the hell are you doing? Um, I was taken by surprise, even though I really shouldn't have because there was like, the writing was on the wall. I just didn't want to see it. And as I am trying to swallow the fact that I am going to be a newly single woman, my mom dies five days after I found out that he's leaving. And so I found myself in this place where I was like, what the actual F is going on? What am I gonna do with my life? Where the heck am I going? How am I going to survive in a big city all by myself with now I have two dependents, two beautiful little girls. And I just didn't know how I was gonna do it and how I was gonna do it without like the support of my mom who just passed and dealing with all of the grief from that. Felt like I was constantly drowning. And somehow, some way, I figured out how to do it. I don't know if I have all the answers. I did a lot of the wrong things so I could figure out what the right things are. But for this episode, I really wanna talk about the scary things of divorce. And I am bringing on my really good friend, Shiva, because you're a marriage and family therapist. And I thought that you could bring some really good insights, not just personally, but professionally. So thank you so much for being here and joining me. I told my divorce story because that's when we, we really met. Mm -hmm. We met when I was like literally a emotional basket case coming into my daughter's school. And every day I feel like I had about 14,000 bags underneath my eyes because I was just like crying to anyone and everyone who had just like listened to me. I can't even imagine how you saw me at that point. I mean, I thought you were a badass, like right off the bat. I really did, yeah. And it's, I mean, I don't know if I should admit this, but I think it was like the the talk amongst the preschool, of like what was going on in your life. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't directly met you yet, but I was able to observe you. And I was able to observe Denise coming in to do drop-offs sometimes and see how the kids were with her. And I think maybe because I hadn't formed the alliance with you yet, I remember thinking like, oh, I'm really happy for your daughter. She was doing good in that classroom. Mm -hmm. like, my son was latching onto me and crying and not wanting me to go. And, and I wasn't going through a divorce. Yet somehow you guys were able to create an environment in which she still felt safe going to school. She still felt comfortable having two people drop her off in the morning. And I just remember thinking you guys did such a lovely job. I couldn't believe that you were going through all this. Well, you know, that's probably the best compliment that you could ever give me. Because at the time, in my eyes, I was like, oh my God, I'm such a disaster. But it was like such a difficult time. The fact that we, I was able to like dig myself out of that. And I remember talking to you because, um, 
I remember your son was like clinging to you outside. And I remember those moments too. I remember having those moments. I remember how hard they were. And I I could see you struggling through them. And there's part of like your struggle that was like felt similar to my struggle, even though maybe not on the outside. And I immediately just like went up to you and I was like, hey girl, hey girl, hey. Yeah, yeah. And you were one of the only people who did that. And that says something about you. And I think it's an incredible reminder that, hey, like, my kids were going through a change in the sense that we moved 15 minutes away and we're now going to a new school. And look at how my child was reacting. Mm-hmm. Your kids were going through a change. And who's to say, like, what is more harmful to our kids? Like, who's to say that divorce, clearly divorce did not fuck up your children. You know what I mean? Like, they're not that statistic. Well, you know what the funny thing is, is that it's like, you never know. I mean, if you go and you Google it, you'll just see that like, as a single mom, I'm going to be miserable mm-hmm. <laughs> and my kids are going to be all sorts of messed up, you know? Yeah, and that is, drug addicts. yeah, <laughs> it is. And it's, and yeah. it's really scary, you know? And it's like, you don't want for your, you don't want to create that scenario for your kids. So you want to cling on to this marriage that you're like, okay, well, if I just stay married, then no, everything is going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. My kids are going to be fine. Everything is going to be fine. But like, that's, I don't even think that that's true. I really don't because ultimately I ended up get, getting divorced and my kids are totally fine for right now. You know, who, I can't control what happens in the future, but for right now they feel really solid. And even when we were going through the divorce, we, they, they were, they were still emotional and they still had ups and downs, but like at the same time, I think all kids do, you know, yeah. I know that you have like a lot of clients that are, that come to you for advice about their family and their marriage and things. And like, what do you tell them like when they're like, hey, I want to stay married because I don't want to screw up my kids? I think that there's a lot of ways to screw up your kids. And one of the ways is by being really unhappy, deeply unhappy and thinking that your kids just have no idea. I mean, it's almost offensive, especially the older your children get. And it's like, wait a minute. OK, my mom sleeps in a different room every night. My mom has tears in her eyes every morning. Like that is way more damaging to a child. Have you ever like dealt with like the idea of being like wanting to get divorced or not wanting to get divorced or like how long have you been married for? So July will be 10 years. That's a long time. It is a long time. And I think I'd be the biggest liar in the world if I said I never thought about divorce. I think that probably what's led me to a happier marriage than I once had a few years ago is actually the fact that I accepted that divorce is a possibility. Mm-hmm. I think for so long, especially in the beginning of a relationship, it's like you, you play this game with each other where you're like, I love you so much. I couldn't possibly live without you. There's no way. And then like you do the thing, like, what if you met somebody else? And you're like, no, honey, I would never leave you. And that stuff is toxic. I think eventually when you've had enough problems, you reach this point where you're like, let me visit the other side. What really happens if we would, were to get a divorce? And I think that there's no better feeling than now being in a relationship, being married and knowing, I just don't want the other side. It's not that I'm so afraid of it. It's not that I think my world would fall apart. Everything would be fine and life would go on. But ultimately I could say I'm married because it's just what I choose, not because it's what I'm afraid of. And I think that that's been the secret to my marriage. I think that that's really brave and also like a really important realization. I mean, it's been seven years since I've been divorced. And, you know, I've really been able to rediscover myself. And there is a lot of things that I would have done differently. I think I was in the mentality that you were talking about, which is like this, we're married. 
-hmm. we're just going to stay here. It doesn't matter what happens. And I think that there is this like, like, I think that when you have that mentality, you kind of stop trying in a way or the ways that I was trying, it was like, I guess I'll try. It's a chore, right? Yeah. And it's like, I am this martyr for this family. I'm going to, to try to make my marriage work. It's like, no, don't do that. And I never once even thought about divorce. I really succumbed to the fact that I was just going to be miserable and stay married. What do you think about the parameters of like what successful relationships are? Like, do you think, because to me, I feel like society tells us that a successful relationship is based on the number of years you're together. But I think (laughs) the success of a relationship is dependent on the quality of those years. Right. Yeah. And also even having the courage to say, it's been this many years, but it's not working and knowing when to stop. But that is success in and of itself, too. You know, I think when we get married, we have an idea of what the, the purpose of marriage is or what it's supposed to be like. And then we hit all those milestones like, look, we bought a home together. Look, we, we made people together and we're raising them together. And you lose track of the fact that somewhere in between that you still have to continue developing as an individual. You don't just get married and then, okay, that part is over. Now I'm just completely someone else who's married and I'm only part of this. It doesn't work that way. And I always compare it to, you know, we're all so big on like attachment styles now and everybody talks about it in the romantic context. But if you go back to even observing a child, the ideal relationship you want between the caregiver and the child is not one where the kid is just completely like, you know what? I'm not going to explore. I'm just here. And I'm, don't worry about me, mom. It's just me and you. That's not what it should be. The ideal relationship is like when you take your kid to the park and they hug you and they're a little nervous and they look around and they're like, okay, I'm going to go explore. I feel safe. And then the kid goes to the sandbox and is playing and looks over and is like, yay, mom's still there. And that kid learns like I can take care of myself and be with myself and still be connected to this really important person. I think we miss that part when we get married where we're like, okay, look, oh, I'm just so connected to you and I want to go up your ass. No, it's, it's more than that. You got to crawl back out and you need to be able to still be connected to yourself. I mean, I think that that is the thing that I learned most post-divorce, which I wish I would have taken more time in my marriage to figure that out, which was like, how, what makes me happy? Like I became so consumed with like making everybody else happy that I forgot about myself. And it wasn't even like anybody was like, Hey darling, are you happy today? Nobody gave a shit, you know? And I really had to like take some time to like figure out what made me happy. And I think that that was really important. And, um, I think that like we can do that despite our relationship status, Mm -hmm. like even, especially as women, because I feel like as women, when we have kids, there's a part of ourselves that we lose because we have to make space for these new people, you know? And so it's like, we give up pieces of ourselves to make space for these people. And because we can be so self-sacrificial in that way, it's easy for us. And everybody gives us permission to do it. Nobody's like, nobody says, listen, you really need to give less. Yeah. It brings up a good point that it's also the timing of when your divorce happened. I think that the natural progression perhaps may have been that as your children are the age that they are now, where they are more independent, where you would have wondered like, okay, who's Carrie still? Like, and you would have had the time to start taking care of yourself mm-hmm. again and things would have been different. It, I think it's when you get the divorce yeah. really does dictate that. What about like 
So I have a lot of friends. I've been married for like 20 years. And I look at them with like this like these like this like glowy eye. Like you know that emoji where it has like stars in their eyes? That's how I feel like I look at them. Like, like they're unicorns. Yeah. I'm like, wow, you really did it, you know? And I ask yeah. them these questions like, how do you do it? They're like, yeah, you know, we contemplate divorce all of the time. And you know, it's really a challenge to stay connected. And we have to really make a concerted effort to figure that out. And I and I love the fact that they're so honest about it, you mm -hmm. know? Totally. But at the same time, it's like, well, I don't know. Maybe marriage is not going to be in the cards for me ever again because I don't know if I really want to work that hard. Yeah, I mean, I think it it's a fair question, but also defining what type of marriage you want, what marriage looks like for you. Mm -hmm. Some marriages are are not so entangled. Some marriages don't. Yes, they take a level of effort, but it's not as exhausting as your marriage once was, yeah. you know, there's a place to grow with somebody. Do people ever come and, and talk about like non-traditional marriage? Is there a different way? And like, what ways do you see that like work for people? Oh my gosh, there's so many options. I think like to think that I have to live in the same house with my spouse and sleep in the same bed. And then my children have this room and like that whole idea of this nuclear family it doesn't need to exist anymore. It existed once because up until not too long ago, it just was impossible for a woman to support herself to that same extent. And so we're like, okay, let's put our resources together. Let's live together. And let's, it doesn't need to be that way anymore. I think that if a marriage works for a couple where they live in two separate homes, that's totally fine too. It's, it's just about what really works for you. And polyamorous couples, for example, there's so much judgment around that. It's like, oh, are you just some sexual deviant who like can't get your needs met with one person and so you're going to open up your marriage? And it's not about that. I think it, it's really honoring that, okay, there's something very unique about us. And I didn't get married because you are the only person on the face of this planet that I want to be around. That's it, There's something really honest about being able to admit that and say, you know what, I, I want to get my needs met in other places too. And I, I respect that. What I'm saying is it's, it's a spectrum of closeness and distance and anywhere in between is fine as long as it works for both, both people. That is really the basis of a great relationship is being brutally honest about how you feel and what like and being able to talk about things, hard things like desire, emotions, attraction. Those are like the real sticking points in a relationship and desiring somebody other than the person that you're with or married to. That's like a hard thing to bring up. So the level of bravery that somebody has to have in order to be like, listen, hun, I met somebody at the grocery store. I think she's really hot. She gave me your number. Even though you don't want to hear those things, like it really connects you to somebody when they share something so vulnerable you of know course. yeah yeah as a person who's like you know been on the prowl for god only knows how long <laughs> what kind of relationship advice do you have for me the relationship advice i have is is going to be so different kind of based on what it is that you're looking for like if you are truly looking for a good time there is no advice it's just have the good time you know mm -hmm. if you're looking for your next like husband or spouse or the person you want your your children to be raised by, then that's a whole other. <laughs> what if I'm not really looking for anything? What if I'm more just kind of doing the things that I enjoy and going off on doing my own path and thinking like whatever comes my way, 
as kind of where I'm going to go. Does that make sense? Like, do I have to have a plan and do I have to seek it out? Like, won't something just kind of magically appear at some point? Yeah. I mean, I'm a strong believer in that. I don't, I think it's devastating when people already put someone in a box, you know, even themselves. So they say like, oh, I'm only 21. I'm not going to meet my my future husband. So I'm just going to have fun. Even that's unfortunate. You know, who knows what's going to happen? It's a matter of asking yourself, are my needs being met? You know, I remember before I got married, like everybody else was terrified. And even though I had gone to grad school and I knew like what makes a marriage work, I felt like I needed more of like an honest, simple answer. Mm -hmm. And so I went to my therapist and I was like, I'm, I'm terrified. Like, how, how do I know this is going to work? Mm-hmm. And he broke it down so simply. And he's like, why do people get divorced? And I'm like, because they don't like each other anymore because they meet someone else. I had all these answers. But he's like, every answer that you just gave, if you break it down, essentially it's that their needs are no longer being met. Mm-hmm. Why do people get married? To get their needs met. Mm-hmm. So as long as you're constantly checking in with yourself, like, Throughout your marriage, you don't lose sight of that. And you ask yourself, wait, how much of myself am I giving up right now? Mm -hmm. Obviously, not all your needs are going to be met. But staying connected to like, okay, what am I willing to give up? What do I gain for this? And constantly reexamining that. That is how marriages essentially are successful, right? So same with going into a relationship. Even in that first month, yes, there's sacrifices. But what need are you trying to meet in the relationship? And is it working or not? And if it's not, tell the person it's not working. Yeah. I think that there's also something to the effect of like, you know, I think that like we can take our partner for granted because um, we don't think that they're going to go anywhere. But it's like, like you said before, you know, when you finally accept the idea that, hey, guess what? I can leave and you can leave at any time. The idea that like you might lose something kind of makes you work a little bit harder at it. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like we should all, I feel like everybody should like threaten divorce at one point because it's like, let's see what you got, buddy, you know? And it's not a matter of like fostering insecurity in a relationship, Mm -hmm. but it's just being really honest that like this idea of unconditional love is not in romantic relationships. Like that's for your childhood. Congratulations. Your parents love you unconditionally. That's beautiful. It ain't going to happen in your romantic relationship. There are conditions. Don't be a piece of shit. You just can't expect somebody to love you no matter what you do. But that's kind of what we were sold, right? Like the Disney fairy tale. Like I'm going to love you unconditionally no matter if you turn into a witch and cut off all my hair or whatever. Like look at all all the wedding vows and then it's, it's sad, but... When somebody does fuck up, it's devastating to be like, wait, I thought you loved me unconditionally. Even when it comes to infidelity, like not all infidelity needs to lead to divorce. Mm-hmm. You know, yours was a, a, definitely a more complicated situation than that. But it, how do you go into a relationship saying, I'm going to love you unconditionally. I will be here for you. I will wipe your ass when you're old and you can't take care of yourself. Like I'm your person, but oh, you fucked up and got a massage from somebody that led to a happy ending over never mind it's like excuse me i know well that's kind of the narrative that it's like oh i'll love you unconditionally but as long as you're perfect and as long as you don't let anybody else touch your body that's an interesting thing because it's like those two things don't necessarily align right like marriage and desiring other people 
how can those two things coexist without going completely off the rails? Right. The whole idea of desire is that it's you're longing for something. And the assumption is that you don't have it, right? So desire, there's nothing wrong with desiring other people. It's it's what you choose to do about it. I haven't been in a relationship or a marriage for a really long time. So I don't know if I can really offer great advice for somebody who... I can offer some great advice for your post-divorce life, <laughs> you know, <laughs> live it. <laughs> but I don't know if I can offer like somebody advice for somebody who's like in the middle of a marriage and is contemplating what to do. Do you have any advice? Yeah. I think like my, my biggest piece of advice is, is, are you sure you've tried everything? You know, people get a little trigger happy when it comes to divorce and it's like, you know what? I'm so tired of arguing. We went to therapy. We did this. And it always goes back to, to the baseline. I don't know that that in and of itself is a reason to get divorced. I think you do keep trying, essentially, if you guys hold the same values. If you're valuing the idea of you want my you want your family to be together, you want it to be this this singular unit where we all live together and we're all together and blah blah blah. You can't give up so quickly. You know, it, it comes with its hardships, unfortunately. And I think in my own marriage, like I, I'm so not the therapist in my own relationship. Yes, I know everything. Yes, I, I'm i very proud of my ability to have compassion for tons of people. But for whatever reason, when it comes to like my own immediate family, I still default back to, to my own trauma. And my trauma triggers his trauma and his, trigger, his trauma triggers my trauma. And we know that about each other after all this time. And, and yes, I've read the books and I should perhaps act better than I do a lot of the time. But there's no magic wand. There just isn't. At the end of the day, it's like when I feel that anger towards my spouse, I have to know that, okay, I'm no longer, I'm no longer letting myself access like the loving part of me that knows that he loves me. He's, he's not trying to offend me. As soon as I'm hurt, I go into this state of like the fight, flight, flee. And I say, okay, forget it. It's time to get a divorce or, oh, I'm, I'm just going to keep fighting back. You lose the empathy. And I think with couples therapy, the goal is like to help each other have the empathy again. Because once I could see my husband as the little boy that he really is, or he could see me as the little girl that I really am, that is devastated because I was sold this idea of what marriage was going to be. And I wanted him to take care of me. And I feel like he's not taking care of me at the time. That's what I'm reacting to. What he's reacting to is like, why is my wife acting like a child throwing a temper tantrum? If I can step away from the situation and be like, oh, you know, I'm just a really hurt person right now. Mm -hmm. I think that that's what's been the biggest help. Yeah. And just space. Like, I think that in, in general, we, we have this idea of like, we can't go to sleep mad. Like we need to work on it. We need to fix this thing tonight or fix it by the end of the week. I need to go to sleep mad. Yeah, I can't, I can't, if I'm mad, like you talking to me about it, it's just going to make me even more mad. Absolutely. Like I need, and especially if I'm tired, I'm like a, I'm like a toddler. If I don't get enough sleep, forget about it. I'm level 50,000. Like it's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And don't put me in a position where I'm going to have to regret the things that I said. Oh (laughs) gosh. Just give me Same girl. Same. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, seriously. When I was like dating in my twenties and starting to get into relationships, it was like, oh my gosh, I'm just going to spend every waking moment with this person. I never want to be with anybody else. And I got into this um, habit of like, as soon as I get into a relationship, like friends, what friends? No friends for me, only you, you know? And as I grow older, I'm like, oh my gosh, it is 
absolutely important to have these female friendships in addition to the relationship because those are the ones that are going to help me maintain. Like I can go to them and be like bitch about you and maybe gain some like newfound perspective instead of always bitching to you about it, you know? But in a relationship, your your one partner can't possibly do for you what the whole village is supposed to do. Yeah. Esther Perel like says it best in Mating in Captivity. Like we put too much pressure on the romantic relationship. The romantic relationship is a, is a very small part of your life. Yeah. Yes, you're married to this person for all these years. That's the hope. So you think it's it's incredibly important, and it is. But life still goes on. At the end of the day, we all wake up and need to live our own life. Yeah. We talked a lot about divorce and like how to stay married and that, and you know, it's not easy, but I also want to make a point as a divorcee that there's nothing wrong with getting a divorce either. You know, it's like, it's all about choices. And you know, if you, you, some marriages don't work because it's, you're two different people. You decide to go in different directions and it's not the end of the world. Like you can create this new happy life for yourself. And there is a lot of, um, there's a lot of freedom in that. And I find there to be a lot of freedom in life post-divorce because, and this is going to sound like, I don't know if anybody's really talked about this, but like when you, when you get divorced, you know, all of the, all of society's like expectations of you are to do all of these things and stay married forever. But when you get divorced, you basically have let down society's expectation of you, right? Like I'm, you're just, you have, and which is very hurtful inside. Cause you're like, great. I'm just this giant failure. I've let down society, Ugh. you know, but then once you kind of get up and dust yourself off, you're like, okay, well, I mean, now what? I'm 38 years old. I have like, I, I, yes, I'm divorced, but I really have everything that I want. I had two kids. I had a job, you know, I was, I was able to figure out how to like maintain and support myself. And then I kind of look around and I'm like, what? I have so much opportunity. I have so much opportunity around me to go and be and do whatever I want. And I found that there was a lot of freedom in the fact that like I gained all the things that I thought I was losing. Like for instance, time with my kids. I just couldn't imagine not being there a hundred percent of the time. That was by far the hardest thing. I hated it and I fought tooth and nail to not have that. And I really clung to that like, oh, I should be there. I want 70, 30, but like ultimately it doesn't work out that way. And my girls needed to have like a significant relationship with their dad. And I'm so glad that they do. Girls need their dads. But it also freed up 50% of my time to really like figure out what the heck I wanted to do with it, you know? And at first I was like, me and a vodka soda was how I spent my time, you know? (laughs) But then I was like, this is probably not the best idea. This could go south. (laughs) This could go wrong real quick. So I was like, put aside the vodka soda. And I just, I didn't know what I wanted to do or how to spend that time. And so I just started trying things. I was like, hmm, maybe, I don't know. I have like a whole night, nothing to do. I went, started playing golf again. I called up every freaking friend I knew that I hadn't talked to in forever. And I started going out with them, you know? And then little by little, I started like, like finding time, finding ways to fill my time. Mm -hmm. And that in, essence allowed me to rediscover 
what I liked and who I was and all these different things. So really, it was like, even though I was so disappointed in the fact that I became a statistic, mm-hmm. it also, like, there was also a positive thing about it because I I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't feel like a statistic. I felt like I was given like this whole new lot in life and it came without any expectation. And the only expectation that I had was the expectation that I was putting on myself and I could be anything. And I mean, like the idea of what a single mom is, is like, oh, well, you're either going to like, you know, hurry up and get married to a rich guy or you're going to die alone with 12 cats. And so like the expectation was so low that it was like anything I did was going to be up from there. So it was it was kind of this beautiful moment of like, well, I can't really fail at this. You know, I've already, you know, it's only up from here. And I found that to be really, really powerful as a woman and also like accomplishing things, like really being able to stand on your own two feet and being like, you know what? Like, look around. I did this. I bought my first house, you know, all by myself. Do you know how proud I felt? I was like, I was signing the papers and I was like, there's nobody else on here. It's just me. I mean, they also felt like, you know, this like a thing of dread and and fear. Cause I'm like, what happens if I can't do it? But like, I feel that way most days anyway, no matter what, you know? So it was like, it didn't really matter. Do you find a lot of people that you see or like, have you experienced anybody that felt this like newfound freedom of life post-divorce or am I just like a complete weirdo? No, I, I think you're incredibly brave. I think what ends up happening is like there's the home, the nights where you're home alone and the kids are, are at the ex's house and you're miserable. And I think most women, the distraction is, let me get on an app. Let me date somebody. Let me do this. Let me. And they're so obsessed with finding love again that then they miss out on this really beautiful time, like getting to know themselves. Again. Yeah, but I did that too. Yeah. I mean, I didn't like actually get comfortable being alone until I got... I basically went and, you know, 1-800-FIND-ME-A-MAN, and then I dated a bunch of guys and realized there's nothing that feels more lonely than being in a relationship with somebody that, like, clearly doesn't meet your needs at all. Right. And then having to try and get myself out of that and then making the mistake of introducing my kids. I mean, I like I introducing my kids to him and then having to, like, get us all out of that. I mean, I literally made all of the mistakes, like all of them. I did the, I did everything all wrong, but only to course correct to start doing things less wrong. (laughs) And I think that even for those that are married that contemplate divorce, if they're contemplating divorce in the sense of like, okay, either I stay in this unhappy marriage or I'm going to go out there and it's just going to be the beautiful point that you're at right now, or the point of being home alone and miserable with the 12 cats. Those are our poor reference points. I think that both of them are, are extremes in a lot of ways. You have been so blessed in the sense that like you had the personality, the courage, and the resources and the friends and the community to help you get past this time. For a lot of people, that's not going to be the case. And they're gonna have to work a little bit harder on it. But ultimately there's a million, million paths that lead to a happy life. There's not just one. And there's lots of ways to be happy after a divorce. But you can't think that, like, it's just going to be horrible or I'm just going to have so much fun and go travel the world. It's like, no, you still got to pay your bills. You you still need to participate in life. 
whether you're married or not. I think one of the biggest things um, that I see with single women going through divorce is like you really have to learn to let go of, of a lot of things. You have to learn to let go of this idyllic life because you're divorced. So like the idyllic life that you thought about yourself is like no longer like you're going to, you might have it. It's just going to look a different way. You know what I mean? And I think at some point, whether or not you're married, you have this really monumental thing that happens in your life and you connect to yourself and you have this like spiritual awakening and you're like, you know what? I'm home at the end of the day. It doesn't matter where I am. It's like, I can reconnect with myself. Mm -hmm. I think you you get that sometimes after a divorce. Sometimes it could happen in your marriage. But at the end of the day, you reach a, a point of acceptance of just like, who really cares about anything else? It's it's really just I'm home. Yeah, and so true. And I just like I just don't want people to think that getting divorced is like the end of everything because it's actually the beginning of something. And it seems so much more scary for people, I would say, because it's one of those very rare life decisions that's monumental that you actually get to control to a certain point, you know, Mm -hmm. parents pass away, natural disasters happen, horrible things happen and you can't control them, but then you adapt and life goes on and you see how strong you are with divorce. It's like, why would I bring that upon myself? You know, but you are, you're, you're creating the natural disaster yourself. There's something so beautiful about that. I love it. I love it. I think I am a natural disaster. (laughs) Okay. So, I mean, uh, obviously everybody knows that I'm like basically the queen of disaster dates. Like if I should enter a Guinness book of world records, because I don't know if anybody has had more disaster dates than me, but I want to ask you, have you have ever had a disaster date and tell me about it? Okay. So as far as like most embarrassing date, I will say it wasn't, the date was wonderful. But I have to say, like, on my first date with my husband. So you're on a first date. How did you meet him? Yeah. So I met him at a bar, the old-fashioned way. Um, and he started talking to me. He bought me a vodka Red Bull because that's the year it was. And we had an amazing time. I thought he was awesome. I gave him my number. It was, like, when Instagram first started. So he taught me about Instagram. He was like, oh, do you have Instagram? And then I made an account sitting next to him and stuff. And, and it's adorable. But... I didn't think that he would actually call. I didn't think I was so used to guys not following through that it just felt like this, this could never happen, but he did. He called, he, I met him on a Monday. He said, are you free on Friday? And then he actually called on Thursday and we know follow through. He took me to a great dinner. We went to um, a bar afterwards and had drinks and I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't have, I don't know. Don't judge me. But I went back to his house we had a great time there. And then when it was time to leave and he was walking me to my car and like thinking I'm being so cute and cool and walking down the stairs and I completely ate shit and like rolled over. Like I got up and like my dress was like all the way up here. He's a stuntman. So his reaction to my fall was probably like the sexiest thing of all. It wasn't like he was like, oh my God, are you okay? Like nothing like that. He just kind of was like, what was that? You all right? Like he had the most mellow reaction to it. And we talked about it later and he's like, yeah, I didn't want to embarrass you. But of course, like that was really <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> so I played it off like it was really cool. But yeah, so that's how I knew like, OK, I think I really want to actually marry this person because <laughs> I fall a lot. And if that's how he's going to like handle it, I think he's the one. I fell for you. Yeah. Yeah. I literally fell for him. And 
it was humiliating. And he even made a comment about like, how do you walk in those shoes? I'm like, they're so comfortable. They're fine. And of course, then I eat shit. <laughs> As we wrap up, do you have any advice or any last parting words that you want to share to anybody who's listening in and around like ideas around divorce, fear around divorce, finding your happiness, any of that? As cheesy as it sounds, you're going to be fine. Like, as, I know that sounds like you're simplifying the most complex thing, but in a lot of ways it is simple. You're going to adapt. We're human beings. We're capable of a lot of suffering. You can suffer a little bit. You're going to be okay. You will heal. Life moves on. Your children will be happy whether or not you have them. It'll be fine. I think that's great advice. It will be fine. I am the, I am the poster child of... It will be fine. Absolutely, yeah. There's so many paths. And um, of course, we always want to hear your comments or suggestions or even your disaster dates. You can always email them to us at diaryofadivorcepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much, Shiva, for coming. Of course. I love you. Thanks for having me. I love you so much. (laughs) In the next episode of Diary of a Divorcee, the podcast, we are going to talk about non-traditional co-parenting. And the best person I can bring on to talk about that is my fellow sister wife, co-parent and the stepmom to my girls, Denise Lawrence. And to be honest with you, you need a set of tissues for this one because it gets a little teary. Make sure you click the link below, follow, like, and subscribe.